0: At some point, you got to get in it and you're going to make mistakes. There's no question. And it's going to be scary. And it still is. Some nights I wake up still and I'm like, oh, my gosh, everything's imploding. But until you get in it, mix it up. You're not going to move forward.
1: How great would it be to buy a piece of institutional quality, income producing commercial buildings? Well, now you can with Building Bits. It's not a REIT or a fund. Building Bits is a new platform for non-accredited investors where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building lease to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. You can now invest in the same quality assets, which have previously only been available to institutions and wealthy individuals. Once you choose your building on BuildingBits.com, you can invest as little as $500 and receive your share of the rents while BuildingBits' team of real estate pros handles all the management aspects of the building. For the first time, the big corporations in America can actually start paying you. And when the building is sold in the future, the potential appreciation is redistributed to everyone so you don't just get the rental income, but also share in the upside. Best of all, since these securities are SEC qualified, they are freely tradable immediately. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants, so don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of their current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, B-U-I, bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC Offering Circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, how you doing? Welcome to the best real estate investing advice ever show. I'm Joe Fairless. This is the world's longest running daily real estate investing podcast. We only talk about the best advice ever. We don't get into any of that fluffy stuff with us today. Chris Benson. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing fantastic. How are you, Joe Fairless? Well, I'm glad to hear that. I am doing fantastic as well. Looking forward to our conversation a little bit about Chris. He is the CIO for Reliant Investments, which is a subsidiary of Reliant Real Estate Management. Reliant Real Estate is one of the top 30 commercial self-storage operators in the U.S., and he's based in Saratoga Springs, New York, and you can learn more about their company. We've got the link to their website there. So you can just click that, go check out the company. So with that being said, Chris, you want to give the Best Ever listeners a little bit more about your focus and a little bit more about your background?
0: Sure. How far background do you want to go? My story is pretty interesting.
1: Let's hear the interesting story.
0: <laughs> well, one, Joe, I appreciate you having me on. And congratulations to you and the Best Ever listeners. I think I looked. Are you at over 1,600 episodes?
1: Oh, yeah. By the time this one airs, who knows where we'll be.
0: Congratulations. That's fantastic. So my background is kind of interesting how I got to real estate. I had my first child in college. I know I'm starting early, but that obviously wasn't on purpose, but it was a blessing in disguise. The upside, Joe, is by the time I'm 45, both my kids will be out of the house, which is fantastic. But what it made me do is grow up pretty fast. So the arena that I grew up in was business to business sales. I got my first job out of college with a company called ADP, a payroll company that you and your listeners may have heard of, sure. and uh, kind of worked my way up through that business to business sales hierarchy. My last corporate sales job was with Intuitive Surgical. They're the developers of the Da Vinci Robot, um, and I was super blessed to be a part of that company and the technology that they bring to market. For your best ever listeners, just Google DaVinci Robot. I think if you don't know about it, it'll blow you away, but that being said, at about probably 27, 28, we were kind of always grinding because we had a child very early. So we had to put food on the table and pay the bills. And by the time I was 27, 28, I had made some money. I was a successful salesperson and realized that that really didn't make me very happy. And what I really wanted was the ability to make money and not work my butt off for it. (laughs) And the idea that I'm sure many of your listeners and probably interview guests, of trading time for money was not that fun. Mm -hmm. And it's funny, I still remember waking up and thinking, how am I going to do this the next 30 years? And so it was at that point where I said, okay, I got to find a way of passive income. And I had never read Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I wish somebody had given that to me when I was 14, 15. I may have had a different perspective, but That idea of passive income started with that book. So once I figured out, okay, there's an opportunity to do this a different way, I chose real estate as the way to do it because, to be quite honest, I don't know if I was creative or smart enough to build my own business. I think I'm more of an executor. And real estate is one of those things where it's pretty black and white. It's numbers. You can choose numbers, and it doesn't take a lot of uh, comprehensive brain power. So that's kind of how I got started in real estate. Just a quick overview of how I got to self-storage.
1: Before you get yes, to storage ahead. and maybe you're leading into this, but what'd you buy initially with real estate?
0: Sure. Duplexes. Okay. <laughs> I thought I was going to be a class C plus lord. My initial thought, Joe, was if I could net $200 per unit at the end of each month, that was my plan to get me to replace my income. Yep. And, and at the time, my thought was, if I could replace or get pretty close to that $10,000 a month, number, I was in pretty good shape for the lifestyle. We lived pretty modestly. It may not have replaced my income, but if I wanted to, I could have shut everything down and lived pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. So we did that. We ended up with 22 units, all duplexes in not too far from where I live in Saratoga County in upstate New York. It was a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) I realized very quickly, I wanted nothing to do with that.
1: You had 11 duplexes, so times two, 22, or you had 22 duplexes. So you had 44 units.
0: Yeah. Sorry. No, 22 units across 11 buildings. Okay. Yeah. I still own one of them. I got one left, but what I realized very quickly, and I wish I could credit the quote who said it, but there was a quote that said big deals and small deals are the same amount of work. You just make less money on small deals.
1: (laughs) Or you lose money on small deals. (laughs)
0: Well, that part of it too. But the effort that we were expending, I realized that $200 per month of net income, if I had to get to 50 units, I had to double what we already did. And I hated the people. And I, I don't mean to be elitist, but I hated dealing with the tenants. We had some pretty good management company structures in place, but the tenant aspect of it drove me nuts. So we divested, and fortunately, I have a wife who's very understanding and risk tolerant. So we sold them, and interestingly, Joe, I decided that we were going to build a apartment complex and started calling around and got connected with a church member that I knew when I was a kid, and I hadn't talked to him in 15 years, who owned a construction company in the town I grew up in and said, hey, I got a little bit of money. I want to build some apartments. What do you got? And... Timing is everything. He had just had a discussion with a municipality who had this parcel of land that they wanted to do something with. And long, long, long story short, we ended up building a 64-unit apartment community there. We actually just had a meeting with that municipality yesterday, and they're asking us to do some additional development in the land behind it. So that was sort of my foray into commercial real estate, and that's where the light bulbs started to go off for me.
1: That's jumping into the deep end with barely knowing how to swim. and You might have some floaties on your arms. That's about it. That's incredible. So one not important question, but I'm just curious. Why do you still sure. have that one
0: duplex? My brother lives in it.
1: Okay. And <laughs> with the apartment complex, I'll just ask, because I don't know how to formulate the question properly, but how do you go from 11 duplexes to developing a 50 plus unit apartment community.
0: I had a great partner. So what ended up happening with that guy that I called from church and and I'll give him a little plug. It's Buck Construction out in Whitesboro, New York. So the answer is you do it because you're stupid and naive. That's why you do it because you don't know how much you don't know until you get done and you kind of look back and say, wow, that could (laughs) have really went the wrong way. So what I really had was a partner who was full of integrity and wanted to help. So when you talk about the floaties in the deep end, he was the life jacket. I had a life jacket in Steve and his experience. And he's been a builder for 30 plus years, has done a ton of apartments, usually for other people. They have a portfolio in the family that they've owned a long time. So there were some bumps in the road, but the answer essentially is Steve held my hand. (laughs) Oh, that list is long. The first one that we uncovered pretty quickly was we were over budget on our first phase by 6%. So that 6% was on about a $5 million development budget. So it was just over 270 grand and I was the equity partner. So we ate that. Unfortunately, fortunately, we were in a position to do it and we were able to recoup it in another phase. We did them in 16 unit phases. So we did them slowly, but oh, and we cool. improved on phase two and three and subsequently four. But the first one, although he had a ton of construction experience, there's some macroeconomic things that sometimes go on that you can't control for. And so mm. we ate those costs.
1: You do it in 16-unit phases because the lender required you to do it that way?
0: No, we did it not to get too much in the weeds about the particular project, but I think the lender would have let us do the whole thing. We were more concerned with the market that we were going into. It was a really unique market in that it was a town that had an Air Force base in it in the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it was built around the Air Force base. And in the late 80s, the Air Force base left. So the community was decimated. 40% occupancy in their residential units. When Steve first came to me and told me where the land was, I said, you're crazy. Like We're not building there. Right. And interestingly, what happened was the Air Force Base had a whole bunch of federal grant money and they built a bunch of tech incubator companies that have exploded. So now there's over 6,000 people who work on the base and most of them don't live in the town because the town doesn't have any housing. So when we built it, we were building, Joe, a business model that didn't exist. Our price per square foot with the market comps was over by close to 40%. But we were the only place in town if you wanted granite countertops, hardwood floors, and stainless steel appliances, you were only going to find it at our facility. So we were able to charge a, a really strong rent premium over what the market has done. And we wanted to test it in small phases to ensure <laughs> I was stupid, but I wasn't that stupid. I wasn't going to put my life savings into something all at once. I was going to do it yep. for a period of three or four years. How much
1: did you initially risk in the deal?
0: Before or after the budget Before. Issue. So it originally worked out to be about 200 grand was the so the you, uh, doubled, the upfront you equity. doubled
1: your upfront equity on the budget overage
0: Sure did. We made it up in the construction budget on further phases so originally that was the thought was hey we can go through $200,000 a phase
1: Sure. But at the time you've got 200k up front and then the first phase is over 240 so now you're in for rounding up half a million. What gave you the confidence to say, you know what, fine, I'll go in for now almost half a million, and I trust that we'll do better in future phases?
0: I don't know if I've ever thought about that naivety. (laughs) I mean, there wasn't really a catalyst moment where I said, you know what, here's why I'm going to do it. I think it was just kind of in the moment hey, let's borrow, beg, and cheat. And I did. I borrowed and begged to get the other 240 grand when we were over. And I don't know if there was an actual catalyst moment other than we said we could do it. And so we were going to do it.
1: All right. So last question on this one, and then we'll roll into what you're doing now. Do you still have the property? And if so, how's it doing?
0: Yeah, we certainly do. We've had two refinances since the original construction. I don't have all my original capital out, but Got a pretty significant chunk. We refinanced it to CMBS notes. So we got some good non-recourse, long-term debt. And yes, the project's doing fantastic. I think we're 92% occupied with a waiting list of about five people. But here in upstate New York, nobody wants to move in the wintertime. So we feel pretty good that we'll be in a good position come spring once the winter breaks here. And then, as I had mentioned, the municipalities, there's some acreage behind where we built. And the municipalities asking us to look at, they're looking more single-family residents to fulfill some of their housing needs in the city, but uh, they're asking us to take a look at that now. So yes, that probably will be the best investment I've ever made. It'll take a little bit of time, but ultimately that's probably gonna be the best investment I've ever made.
1: So what are you doing now? <laughs>
0: so just a kind of interlude, once I started the commercial real estate, my original goal was to syndicate my own projects, but that was really challenging to do with the job that I had. So I had a little group that was kind of following me around investing because they knew I was doing some investing. And when I realized that there were multifamily operators who would essentially allow us to raise money and earn ownership on the back end, that's where the light bulb really went off. I'm a salesperson at heart. So we did some investing in some primary markets. We participated with some Ashcroft properties, as you know, and we've done a, a bunch of other ones. So once I realized that there was an opportunity to grow that investor base and an appetite for these alternative type assets, that's where I realized that was going to be my path. And what happened was what I didn't like what was happening in multifamily, and I know as an expert in the field, you know this, is just the cap rate compression. It's been very challenging to find value in that asset class. So I started looking at some other asset classes. And the one that I really liked was self-storage. And there's some interesting statistics around it, but I'm going to leave you and your listeners with one interesting one. If you look at the National Association of REIT data, so this is essentially all the publicly traded REITs. They have all their historical data online. And you can go online and look at the performance of those REITs across a pretty large data set. So I looked at data from 1994 to 2017. And storage performed at just about 17% a year. Now, if I'm looking at apartments over that same 23 year period, apartments did about 13%. So, both incredible returns. But I was really surprised at what that asset class had done. And then, more importantly, what had it done in the last recession, that last cycle of 2007, eight, and nine? Storage was down less than 4%. And mm-hmm. apartments were down just under 7% in that same category. So for me, it, it had that nice balance of a, a really strong return and some recession resilience. So that was the opportunity I went to pursue. So I went and found three self-storage operators that I really liked because my original thought was to go do some investing with them like I had done on the multifamily side. And essentially, long, long story short, I fell in love with one of them. It was Reliant. on probably giving away the ending but I fell in love with Reliant and essentially they needed help building the equity arm of the business. So how they raise money. So in the beginning of 2018, I joined them as a partner in Reliant Investments. And essentially my role really is as part of the investment committee doing some oversight in the acquisitions, but then also to build that investor arm of the business where they can raise private equity for projects that they're acquiring.
1: For the apartment complex that you wanted to develop, you reached out to a fellow church member who owned a construction company and you said, What do you got? And then for self storage, you said you went and found three self storage operators. How did you find them?
0: There's an almanac that comes out every year from a company called Minico. They're a self storage industry publication and they rank the top, I think, 100 self storage operators. So the first six are. Well, there's two rankings. They have how much square footage they own, and then they have a second ranking based on how many properties or square footage that's managed. So there are some operators that do just third-party management, so they don't own the facilities, they just run them. Yeah. And then there are some operators that are vertically integrated. They own them and they're running okay. them. Okay. So the first six are publicly traded companies, companies that you and your best-ever listeners would know about, Public, Extra Space, Smart, the ones that you see off every highway, intersection, and now that you guys are listening to me say storage, you're going to look out the windows of your car and see self-storage facilities everywhere. So I went to that list and started calling them and I got three calls back. Well, I think I went to the top 30 is where I started. So I just started digging through the ones that I could find easy contact information. That's how I got in touch with them.
1: And your intention was to invest with them initially, or were you intending on doing more of a business partnership? So you were screening them for that? No,
0: it was much more to find an operator that I could invest in and then also opportunities for the group that had kind of grown organically with me alongside of me. So the idea was, hey, if I can come to you with equity for your projects, will you allow me to earn back-end ownership interest on those projects? And that was the goal, right, was to build up enough ownership interest and enough projects where the mailbox money or the passive income that was coming from that allowed me to kind of do whatever I
1: wanted. How did you transition from that conversation to now being the CIO for Reliant Investments?
0: (laughs) It's a long story. So we had invested in two projects with Reliant. So I knew how they operated, what types of projects they were doing. And I was actually in Atlanta with my job with Intuitive Surgical. We have an office that's 15 minutes away from where Reliant was at the time. And I met Todd for dinner. We were looking at a property together that he was interested in acquiring. And if you knew Todd Allen, who's one of the principals of Reliant, he's a very upbeat, bubbly guy. He was just like beaten down. And I said, hey, what's going on? So he explained some of the challenges they were having in their business model as far as acquiring properties, which specifically the issue was raising money was all falling on his shoulders, which was incredible to me because their track record is exceptional. They've just been a beneficiary of a great real estate market, but they've also been a really good operator. So their track record is incredible. So for me as a salesperson, it was hard to understand why they couldn't sell this story. And the answer was because no one was doing it actively. So that's what led to the discussion of, I told him what I was doing and he said, would you come work for me? And I said, you can't afford me. That was my first start. I was trying to get a good negotiating position. And we just kind of worked through how we could make it work, where he needed somebody to focus on this end of the business so that he could focus on his expertise, which was operational. That's his bread and butter. And what he does is he loves to dig into the nitty gritty on the operation side of the business. So it was sort of a random conversation. Joe, I know a lot of your listeners are trying to find things that they can use in their journeys. The one thing I would say is I've had the best opportunities given to me from cold calls, just picking up the phone and asking. And it's amazing what kind of things come about. We talked about the apartment community. Literally, I hadn't talked to Steve Buck in 15 years. I stopped going to church consistently. Sorry, mom, probably when I was 15 or 16. And I hadn't talked to Steve since then. And the same thing happened with Reliant. I'm at Reliant as the chief investment officer because I called them and said, hey, I'm interested in investing in self-storage. Would you be willing to talk about it? So it's a hard thing to do. And I know you've done a lot of it as well. But boy, there's incredible opportunities that rear their heads if you're willing to do
1: it. Based on your experience in the different types of investing that you've done, what is your best real estate investing advice ever?
0: think I just said it. Did I blow my top there?
1: (laughs) As Tony Robbins says, repetition is the mother of skill. (laughs) That's
0: true. That is true. I would say there's two things. I would say at some point, you just have to jump in. If you're dipping your toe in the water and trying, and I realize everybody's life situation is different. So it's easy for me to say from the outside looking in. But for me, fear was always a big challenge. I'm okay with risk. I'm not okay with not knowing what's going to happen. And and my personal makeup, that creates a fear that can paralyze me. So at some point, I think you just have to kind of grit your teeth and jump in with the real estate piece because you can only learn so much from listening to podcasts, going on bigger pockets, reading books. At some point, you got to get in it and you're going to make mistakes. There's no question. And it's going to be scary. And it still is. Some nights I wake up still and I'm like, oh my gosh, everything's imploding. But until you get in it, mix it up, you're not going to move forward.
1: We're going to do a lightning round. You ready for the best ever lightning round? Amen. Let's do it. Amen. That's interesting given your code. That was for right? mom. Oh. <laughs> that, was my mom. that was for my mom. <laughs> First, though, a quick word from our best ever partners. Wouldn't it be nice to buy a piece of institutional quality, income-producing commercial real estate buildings for as little as $500? Now you can with Building Bits. Building Bits is a new platform where virtually anyone, regardless of income, can select a building leased to a major corporation with a guaranteed long-term lease. The $500 minimum with no upfront fees is available only for a limited time. There are great properties available nationwide with major tenants. So don't wait. Go to buybits.us today and pick your property before they're all sold out of the current inventory. That's buybits.us. That's buy, BY bits, B-I-T-S, dot U-S. The SEC offering circular is available at buildingbits.com. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com and there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out. Best ever book you've recently read?
0: So I just reread an interesting book. It's called The Alchemist by Paulo Coelho. I think I'm saying his last name right. Really interesting kind of life story book. Everybody should read it.
1: What's a mistake you've made on a transaction?
0: Ha! How long we got, Joe? A lot. I would say that one of the most recent ones, just because it's on top of mind, is we didn't redo a comp study that was about three months old on a self-storage facility we were looking at, and we took it out to sell it to the market, and one of our investors found two development projects that had been approved that we didn't tell them about. So as you can imagine, when you're predicting the market demand and supply, and you don't tell the investor that there's two new projects coming on, it was a big mistake. So we had to revamp our entire process around how we execute on comp studies.
1: What's the best ever deal you've done?
0: Well, I would say my first duplex because it was the one that got me going. It got me off the sidelines and kind of
1: into the playing
0: field. From a financial aspect, it's going to take a little while to do it. But that apartment community that we developed ultimately will be probably the best investment I've made
1: best ever way you like to give back
0: so for me we have two boys 13 and 17 i would say it's coaching our schedules are pretty crazy and so i have the opportunity to do some coaching with their athletics and i really enjoy that we're losing one to college next year but i got a few more years with the 13 year old so i do a lot of coaching with whatever sports they're in the youngest one right now is lacrosse so i really enjoy getting on the field with everyone
1: how can the best ever listeners learn more about what you got going on
0: You can reach me, Joe. I think you said the link to our website will be there. Reliantinvestments.com is a great one. By all means, your best ever listeners are welcome to reach out to me via email. It's kbenson at reliant-mgmt.com. I'd be happy to chat with them and share a little bit more about my story.
1: Awesome. Well, holy cow, what a ride from 22 units to co-developing a 64-unit apartment community and how you approached it the thought process and the sixteen phase chunk certainly was helpful to mitigate some of the risk, whether or not that was a thought process at the time, we talked about that. But then also how you've transitioned into self-storage, really putting yourself in a position to really connect the dots for something that you're interested in doing from reaching out to the owner of the construction company to you're reaching out to the self-storage companies simply by looking at an almanac and then calling them up and now fast forward a couple of years and now you're the cio for one of the top 30 self-storage operators in the u.s pretty cool how you put yourself in a position in order to partner up with the right people and then learn from them but then also help them with your skill set so thanks for being on the show chris hope you have a best ever day and we'll talk to you soon
0: Okay, thanks so much, Joe. Have a good rest of the
1: day. Best ever listeners, we have launched bestevercauses.com. That's bestevercauses.com. We profile a nonprofit or cause that is near and dear to our heart, get the word out about their cause, and also donate money towards their cause. If you'd like to, one, learn more about the causes that we're profiling, we do one a month, then go to bestevercauses.com. And if you want to suggest a cause that we profile that is near and dear to your heart, then go to bestevercauses.com. And there's a little form at the bottom of the page where you can submit one and we'll check it out.